they're looking for, they win. Ignore them, you win. Hi, everybody. I am Ari Ingle, the Director of Creative Community for Peace. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we are truly living in unprecedented times, facing the greatest pandemic the world has seen in over 100 years. In addition to witnessing a sustained movement of change, justice, and equality for the Black community in America over systemic racism. Uh, unfortunately, both of this has also led to a rise in anti-Semitism, sometimes seems to thrive during crisis. Uh, this is why artists and their voices are more needed now than ever, as uh, they truly have the power to affect lives and affect positive change in the world. Uh, this is also what makes today's panel so necessary and important, as we have some of the biggest legends in reggae and world music joining us today. These are artists that have all inspired me personally and whose music I've listened to for decades. It's a true honor to be able to present this panel discussion. To briefly introduce our guests, first we have Selwyn Brown from Steel Pulse, the biggest reggae band to ever come out of the UK. The band was founded in 1975 and they have had six albums nominated for Grammy Awards, including last year's Mass Ma uh, Manipulation. Steel Pulse also won the best reggae album Grammy Award in 1986 for their album Babylon the Bandit. Uh, they've also headlined reggae's biggest festivals, including Reggae Sunsplash in America and Sunsplash in Jamaica, and were the first ever reggae band to appear on The Tonight Show. How you doing, Selwyn? Uh, next I do. Uh, I, next <laughs> we have Yossi Fine, who is, the, is, who is of Israeli and Caribbean heritage. Uh, he's played a number of projects, including the genre-bending eccentric sound system, which he founded in 1997. The project mixes authentic African sounds with dub, techno, reggae, and hip-hop. He's recorded and produced uh, music for artists such as Lou Reed, Michelle Ndicello, David Bowie, and Naughty by Nature. And he is in the producer of Hadag Nakash, one of Israel's most popular bands. Uh, make sure to check out his latest album, Blue Desert, with Ben Elon. How you doing, Yossi? Uh, we then have Cat Core from the legendary Third World. Founded in Let's Jamaica see. in 1973, they have performed alongside acts such as The Wailers, Stevie Wonder, and The Jackson Five. Third World was instrumental in crossing reggae music over a wider audience with breakthrough songs that became radio hits in America. Uh, they have been nominated for seven Grammy Awards, including their latest album, More Work To Be Done, which was produced by Damian Marley. How you doing, Cat? Um, Doing good. Uh, but our okay. moderator today is CCFP Professional Networking Committee member Michael Goldwasser, who is the president and co-founder of Easy Star Records, which features releases by artists such as Jesse Royal, Protégé, and Revolution. Uh, Michael is also a record producer, songwriter, and musician who has produced reggae remixes for artists such as Kelly Clarkson and Janelle Monet. He also just produced a new reggae-tinged album from Jason Mraz, Look for the Good, which comes out this Friday. Uh, and with that, I will turn it over to you, Michael. Thanks a lot, Ari. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to thank all the panelists. Uh, it means a lot to me, not just uh, as a reggae producer, musician, but as a reggae fan, because Third World and Steel Pulse were, were two of the first uh, artists to, to get me into reggae, to inspire me with their messages of uh, looking for equal rights and justice. Uh, which is still so important today, you know, so so thank you guys. Um, and Yossi has, has been a hero to me for a long time too, and, and a good friend. Um, uh, 
I hope Julian will join us. That would be really great. But I understand there's some some Wi-Fi issues going down uh, in Nine Mile right now in Jamaica. So hopefully we'll see Julian. But uh, I want to start by asking everyone how they're doing in the time of uh, this coronavirus crisis that we're having. Uh, have you been working on new music? Uh, did you have to cancel any tours? Uh, do you think you'll be touring again soon? So we're going to go one at a time just to make it easy. So uh, Selwyn, let's start with you and and, and uh, address that question, please. Well, first of all, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Uh, I'm great, Selwyn. <laughs> Thanks. I just talked to you yesterday, but hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, as you said, you know, we're living in um, unprecedented times. Um, the last show that's still positive was um, uh, actually the beginning of March. Uh, we're in Ghana, in Accra, Ghana. And we performed for the um, Ghana Independence. And uh, at that time, we, we were just hearing about this um, new virus. As a matter of fact, when we were going into Ghana, it's like all of, all of the officials at the airport, everybody had masks on, and we had to go through a process and checking the temperature and everything like that, that, that to make sure that nothing wasn't carried in. So as far as I knew, in Ghana at that time, this virus wasn't there. Since I've left, it's, it's just gone everywhere. And then suddenly, I mean, one of our good friends who was with us at the time, his name uh, was Sam Clayton Jr., who's a prominent um, 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 uh, um, engineer and producer from Jamaica, is also part of the original bobsleigh team. He was with us as our tour manager. And a few weeks after that, uh, he was in Jamaica working on a project and he passed away from the same virus. You know what I'm saying? And about a couple of weeks after that, David lost a brother as well, David Hines. He lost one of his older brothers, uh, so rest in peace, Barkley. You know what I mean? From, from the same thing. Uh, I myself, touch wood, uh, I've been keeping, um, I've been keeping um, 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 myself and my family. Um, give thanks. We're all safe. Just try and stay, you know, try, try to stay as healthy as I can. You know what I mean? Keep your immune systems up, staying active. Music-wise, um, I released a couple of um, singles from, from myself last month, one called Serious Times, which is a song I actually wrote years ago. Um, uh, but a friend of mine heard um, and, and said, so we've got to put this out now. And, and I also did um, a song called Thank You to the NHS, yes, which is like a thank you to all the healthcare workers, key workers, and um, frontline workers and volunteers that have been getting us through this time. As far, as far as still post touring, uh, um, we've had to cancel a, a a long overdue uh, UK and European tour, which we were supposed to do last month. So obviously that's been cancelled alongside everybody else's tours. It's not sure when we're going to be touring at the moment. We're just listening out, watching all the developments. All right. Uh, Kat, how about you? How has coronavirus been affecting you and Third World and uh, your life, your music, your touring? Well, um, to be quite honest with you, I went down to Anguilla on um, the 13th of March. I went down to, to participate with my good friend, Banky Banks. I'm not sure oh, if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I know why you laugh. He's quite a character. So <laughs> I, went, I went there to support him on his Moonsplash show because he had two acts that didn't show up, which was Diana King and Ken Booth. For some reason, they both couldn't make it. and. Um, I went there to just be a part of an all-star crew, you know, and um, I arrived back in Jamaica on March the 18th, which is kind of like a D-Day for us in Jamaica here, because after March the 18th, we went into lockdown. 
lockdown. So, you know, all the people that returned, we had to, you know, call the Ministry of Health. We had to, you know, make sure that we were quiet for the first week, two weeks, so and so on. And um, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a stressful time. I've been very, very fortunate to be with my brother and my sister-in-law, which is like very, very much kind of like a blessing because. I would have hit to got stuck down in St. Martin or somewhere like that, even though I would have made it through, but I would have been there for how long, you know what I'm saying? And um, mm -hmm. right now, Jamaica, yesterday, Jamaica kind of opened up. We had our first flights coming to Montego Bay yesterday, and I, I actually happened to be there to see them come in. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a progress, but at the same time, we're still very cautious, you know. Um, clearly, there's no touring, there are no shows, nothing like that happening right now. We were supposed to have had a very busy, busy um, season in Europe, and exactly just like what Selwyn said, because you know both of us were nominated for the Grammy Award, and anytime you get a nomination, you know you get a spike in your dates in Europe, a spike in your dates in America, because people yeah, want right. to see you. So, you know, we were. We were rolling along nicely, but unfortunately, you know, this thing happened. And uh, I, I look at it as each day at a time, really. And um, I really haven't been too inspired to, to really write any music right now, I have to tell you. But um, my son Shia certainly is. Shia certainly is. And yeah. um, I'm looking forward to hearing what he comes up with, you know. But I haven't been inspired to do anything for a minute. Um, I'm practicing here and there, keeping my, my hands and my cello warm, keeping my hands and my guitar warm, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I've been fortunate to be able to do one or two solo gigs here in Jamaica to limited people, which which was nice. It was different and it, it was it was fulfilling and spiritually nice for me. But you know, we're just the same everywhere in the world. I'm just like Selwyn, and um, you know. I'm quite sure the rest of the panelists have a similar story to tell. So that's about it, you know? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Kat Kaur is one of the greatest guitarists of uh, in, in popular music history. I don't want to embarrass you, Kat, but, but you know, <laughs> like, I, I think, uh, I think like if, if you ask Carlos Santana, who's one of your favorite guitarists, you'd probably say Kat, you know? So, so if Kat yeah, says he's been practicing guitar, we know he's getting even better. You know? And shut up. We're close friends with Carlos. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, thank you, Kat. So Yossi, what are the vibes for you? Uh, having you know, I, I assume you spent the entire this lockdown in Israel. So what's been going on for you there, and how has it affected your music and your touring plans? Well, um, at first, you know, just as everybody, we started hearing that it happens in China. And as far as it was in China, it was like far away. And it was like, you couldn't imagine it coming to your neighborhood, you know? And the next thing, it's like, boom, you know, it's everywhere. And um, I had a tour uh, that started, I had many tours, many small tours in Europe that started in April. Uh, and even before that, lots of dates in March, then April, then May, then June, then mm. July in August, you know, festivals and everything. And within a week and a half, everything got canceled. Just like that. 
Yeah, until I mean, our our October day, uh, October dates are still on, but the, the rest of the summer is like off, you know. So the next thing, what I heard, and that like there is a, they have a boom festival in Portugal. You know, it's a huge festival, and we were supposed to play there, and then they said, uh, well. You know, they're gonna everybody that bought tickets for the festival, which is about I think 70,000 people, should wow. hold on to the tickets and it will be exactly on the same date next year, all right? <laughs> like, first wow. or whatever, right? But then the artist got a different email saying that next year the festival is going to only uh, employ only local musicians from Portugal. Right, and I noticed that that happened uh, in in Holland and some other places. So all of a sudden, I got a call, uh, and I somehow got a new gig, and that's being the musical director of the Red Sea Jazz Festival. So I decided to do the same thing, and just this year concentrate on Israeli musicians because there is a lot of them. And I think that if each community at this point will just support its own community, you know, mm -hmm. in each state and country, then, you know, that's at least um, is good because all the musicians everywhere got hit pretty hard. Everyone's affected. Everyone's exactly. Yeah. And I heard that in Holland for a while, they only played over the radio just Dutch musicians' music, you know, mm -hmm. so they get the royalties and stuff I like that. Right. So, yeah, I think that, that you know, the, 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 right now each should, you know, if he can, you know, like, take care of their own community like that, because uh -huh. that's the yeah. immediate we should go to, you know. Well, I have, heard, I, have heard a peep, I have heard a peep out of the reggae community. I was talking to Selwyn about it, and um, I, I had actually wanted to mention it to, to, to David and to Damien and... Um, and to Sean Paul and Shaggy and, you know, all those artists who, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, to push anybody in any direction here, but the musicians that play for all these artists, they're hurting very badly right now. Yeah. And, and, and I really, um, I admire the government of Holland for doing that because clearly they see whereby, you know, the musicians are going to need a boost. So they're playing only the Dutch music on the radio now, so that, yeah, the royalties step up on everything. You know, because right now, all the musicians who are hired guns and who, you know, play for bands who tour all around the world and who, they make a good living, their money's running out now because they're not touring, they're not yeah. doing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're not in a position, they're not in a position of saying like, you know, like for instance, myself and Richie, we're the founders of Third World. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, a lot of them are not in the position of being the founders. They're more in a position of being a hired musician who came in to fill in. I mean, we've all had our days, like Steel Pulse lost Grizzly. They've also had changes within their personnel. Third World lost Bonnie Rocks. We've had changes in our personnel. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we need to, we, I think the music community needs to think about that. I'm very proud to hear that Holland did that. That's and that's yeah, very, that's too. a very interesting that's a very interesting yeah, yeah. thought pattern, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is because because even one of the songs that I put out last month, 
the, the, the tribute to the NHS, the, the, the way I got that done, is my niece said, uncle, um, why don't you write a song for the health service? I thought, wow. But for me to get that song done, I had to phone local musician friends and say, who, are, who have got a set up at the house and say, Dave can put some drums, Ross can put some vocals, Fiona can put some vocals, and they run us to do his bit and then come back. That's how I got the song done. And I found Jerry Bridgen in New York, drops some saxophone, another Bridgen, Dave, drops some keyboards. That's how I actually got that song done. Yeah. So actually put it out and Sydney mix it for me. So keeping everybody involved, you know. But, but back to what we're saying as far as musicians, yeah, it's, it's been, been really strange to not even see buskers. Not, not even buskers can't even get to work. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Much less. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, like I think maybe, maybe we need to organize a whole other panel about how <laughs> musicians can, uh, can get together to make some changes, you know, because unfortunately the whole, world, the whole world loves music, but they're not always willing to then support the people who make the music. Whether it's uh, you know you know paying for music or just considering us as essential workers in a way you know like we we provide meaning and happiness to so many people but when a crisis comes sometimes we're forgotten. Um, so listen, I want to address a few other uh, other things that that we we plan to talk about. So you know uh, the 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 name of the panel is Roots Reggae Israel. I do want to talk about your experiences uh, in Israel. Um, you know, say your, your impressions of when you've gone there, uh, talk about the pe you know, the people that you've met, if you've, uh, experienced the reggae scene there, um, if you are, you know, uh, an adherent of, of Rastafari, what was it like to be in the land of King David and King Solomon and where, where Jesus walked, where Haile Selassie, uh, came to visit in Jerusalem. So, um, Kat, maybe you could speak to that. Sure. Well, um, I'm a big Israel fan, huge. So, I mean, I really enjoyed my time in Israel. My first, my first um, experience was Asif Beach. We played, oh, yeah. A big, yeah. Yeah, we played at a big festival there. That must I have really been with Gil, right? Gil Rasta? Yeah. 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 Big up, Gil. Big up, Gil. Really cool. And, um, <laughs> and, um, Gil, Gil said to big, to big you up. He told me that before that. He said, big everybody up. Sure, so yeah. All right, man. Yeah, man. I love him. I love him. And, you know, and um, I, I really, that was, that was a one-off thing. When I went back to Israel the second time, I did more like about four shows, you know, three, four shows. And um, I really had a wonderful time. And um, what struck me was how much Jerusalem looked like what I, you know, imagined it would look like when wow. reading the Bible. You know, standing over at the Garden of Gethsemane and looking across over Jerusalem, it seemed all very possible to me, all those stories. It just seemed, you know, very real. And um, I was fascinated walking through the streets of Jerusalem. I really was. And... Um, I just, I was about to ask you, how are things, you know, there with, the, with, the, with our brothers and sisters down the road? How are things going there? Because I think that's one bit of negativity that came to me was that, you know, your guys, brothers and sisters just down the road, that there's issues, you know? And um, I, I, I don't know. I ate some of the nicest food I've ever eaten in my life in Israel. You know? <laughs> I, really, I really enjoyed my time. 
in Israel. And I really pray that, as I say, your brothers and sisters down the road, that you guys, I know the reggae community is very, very much into harmony. So, yes. you know, I'm just, I'm just hoping and praying, but give thanks. And I'm telling you that we were supposed to be coming to Israel you know, before this whole thing wow. went down. So we're really looking forward to coming back. And for me, to answer the question, Israel is great. Wow, give thanks. Selwyn, <laughs> what, what about your impressions of Israel? Well, it's, it's like, um, um, we went there in, uh, just, just once in 2008. As, as a matter of fact, it, it, it wasn't until you um, mentioned about this panel that I realized it was that long ago. So, <laughs> so, so, so we're trying to uh, recollect, but from what I can remember, it was similar to the very first time I set foot on African soil. In, in other words, it was kind of surreal to go. So, um, I mean, when we went there, aside from the performance, which, which was great and well, well received, and a lot of young people, actually going to, you know, the old city in Jerusalem, walking through, you know, going to, you know, the Wailing Wall, you know, King David's um, tomb, and, and places like that, you know what I mean? That was and a marketplace, and just seeing seeing the buildings, and uh, knowing the whole historical, biblical, scriptural significance of the whole place, and then that, uh, uh, I, I can remember time when, when we were walking through, and I literally just stand and stand at a certain place and just meditate for a little while and say, "Wow, that's a, that's Mount Zion, and that's such and such." And then you're recanting all these things. And, and, and then the funny thing will happen is when we went to um, the Wailing Wall and we were there, all the um, different people coming around, rabbis and people coming out from the synagogue and stuff and said, who are you people? <laughs> so that was kind of interesting because they were looking at us and said, what kind of connection have you got? And we start telling them about, well, you know, King David, you know, King Solomon, Rastafari, and they start saying, okay. You know, so that was interesting as well. That was interesting in itself. You know what I mean? And then, um, as far as um, the actual show now, I just remember that there was a lot of young people there. So that impressed me as well, because it's like, as you know, in reggae music, in roots music in particular, we're always referring to you know, you know, you know, the line of Solomon, you know, and you know. Going back to between David and how wise Solomon was, and then certain places, um, as you know, over the over over the centuries, uh, uh, people have their own interpretations of different things. But we always say, well, uh, uh, there's certain places in the world referred to, and when you go to a sacred place like that, it leaves a, a special thing in your heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, so definitely enjoyed it. Looking forward, God spared my life, that can go back again to <laughs> visit it. And have some more spare time so, so <laughs> we can, can visit some of the other sites as well. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I'm yeah, sure yeah. a lot of people would love to, to host you and, and show you around. Um, yeah. so, so once all this coronavirus stuff is gone and travel is yeah, man. already, you know. <laughs> so you know, maybe we'll create the uh, the Creative Community for Peace All Star Band, you know, and then we just you know, well, the four of that'd us get nice. some other people, <laughs> yeah, make some music, yeah, make some peace, you know. Um, so uh, Yossi, 
-hmm. You uh, can speak, I guess, uh, two things. One is why do you think reggae and world music is so incredibly popular in Israel? You know, like when I'm in Israel, I hear roots reggae on on the main radio stations there, you know, and so many people love love reggae. So many artists come to Israel who don't really do many shows in U.S. or or Europe and can do a show in Israel and, and have a lot of people interested. And then also I want to know from you what it was like for you coming to the United States as an Israeli, a Caribbean Israeli and experiencing the reggae scene in the U.S. when you came here. Okay, I'll start, I'll start uh, easy from the, the last question. Sure. When I came to, um, when I grew up, um, you know, in a lot of styles of music, but when um, I saw Steel Pulse, when I was 13 or 12, it was, they opened up for Bob Marley. The, what? Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, bus in, the show was in Paris. I went with my mom, you know. We are you was there. That was you. <laughs> yeah, I was the youngest one. And, uh, wow. and that changed my life. And I started also, you know, like being so much into reggae. Um, and then, but I also played funk and jazz, you know. So when I got to New York, I was 20. And I immediately got with more like the funk and jazz guys. And when I, I didn't feel the reggae vibe in New York. I, it was just not, in Israel, the climate is more similar to a Jamaican climate. It's hot, right. it's, uh -huh. you know, it's hot most of the time and it's, it's the same tempo, you know? And when we got to, yeah. I got to New York, I wasn't feeling it. So for many years, I did not tune too much into reggae while I was in New York. Somehow the energy of that place at that time was uh -huh. not, I, it didn't, Dance hall later, yes, it is very New York because it's more urban like that. But reggae, on tempo. So when I got back to Israel again, I started getting back into reggae. It was like it's it's something to do with climate and a certain vibe. Yeah, that the, people, yeah. the people have in the same thing, and I think also it's very similar history of people that went away from their motherland into the diaspora. Right. And, and, you know, and then they carry the same, there is a certain thing in the DNA of everybody because Israel is in Africa and mm -hmm. it's northeast of Africa, but it is in Africa. And when Africans draw the map, mm -hmm. the whole Middle East is a part of Africa. So Israel mm -hmm. is an African, it's, it's an old African nation. And so Mm -hmm. Even though they got to Europe for like 2,000 years, the mm -hmm. DNA can recognize the same vibe that Jamaica carries from Africa because it comes all from the same soil originally and to the diaspora. And this, I don't know what it is, but I know that I'm feeling that. And I know why Israelis, when they hear reggae music, it sounds very familiar to their soul. You know, they identify with it. They can't explain it, but it, it immediately goes like, oh, that's, I know that, you know, in, in, in a different way. It reminds them of the same prayers sometimes, or it, it, it hits a good nerve, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, definitely a connection. 
Yeah, well, speaking of connections, you know, one thing that I often think about with reggae is, is the connection that it, it brings to so many different people. And in particular, in Israel, I have a lot of friends in the Ethiopian Israeli community. Um, and they, you know, most of them grew up in Israel. Maybe a few of them were born in Ethiopia and came very young, but it's a, a strong community now. I think maybe a lot of people, maybe even some people watching this don't realize there's a community of about 150,000 uh, Ethiopian Israelis now in Israel, which is a significant part of the population of a country that's not that huge. Um, and all of my Ethiopian Israeli friends love reggae, and they feel that bond that that uh, Yossi was just talking about on an even deeper level. I think. Um, yeah. And I've and everyone, it. you know, I think many of us know the connection between Ethiopia and Rastafari and reggae right. and how it all makes sense. Um, Selwyn, I think I remember that when you when Steel Pulse was in Israel, you and David, at least, if not maybe the whole band visited with uh, the Ethiopian community at a, like a community center in, uh, mm -hmm. in Beersheba in the South. Did you, can you talk a little bit about your experiences with the Ethiopian community there? After, I, think, I, think, I think that's how I got to meet um, Naftali, you know. Oh, uh, probably, Naftali. yeah. I think, uh, and uh, um, uh, that was kind of, uh, that was interesting as well because uh, um, before I went to Israel, I, uh, 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 to meet um, people from Ethiopia, that was a nice surprise. And, and then when, when we sat down with them and they started explaining why they came to, you know, the, the whole spiritual link as far as, you know, economics and everything else. And, and, and um, when you mention now that, that there's like 150,000 people there, that means that more Ethiopians have been there since we've been there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was interesting then, then when we got talking and reasoning with them, uh, we realized how, how many similarities we had even growing up. Our philosophies, as far as, you know, as far, as far as history, as far as the world, as far as culture, as, as, as far as the African story, you know what I'm saying? Not just uh, from, from slavery, but even before and beyond and, and ancient African and talking about the civilization you know what I mean? So, so, yeah. so, 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 so to know that the people uh, that we met there and some have stayed there and made that their home as well, because like I said, the connection is different. And the, that kind of warms my, uh, warms my heart to, and to know that as well. You know what I mean? Even with all the differences with Palestine and everything else, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Kat, yeah. Did, you, did you get to spend any time with the Ethiopian community when you were there? Uh, not in a not in a in a um, organized way, yeah. but uh, I remember being in the airport and um, and running into a whole posse of them, and um, boy, a whole thing started right there, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all kind of, all kind of chatting and bunny rocks flew off. Rocks was at his best, you know. And can <laughs> imagine. <laughs> He was dressed kind of like in a longish coat and thing, and one of the one of the Falashas or Ethiopian brothers thought he was actually from Israel and rubbed, went chatting, going on as if he was from Israel. Say, yes, yes, the guy totally bought it, you know. And um, right. really, um, that was a special moment for me. But it's very, very interesting to hear what you said. I mean, I have to tell you that. Um, you know, we, we, we know 
you know, vibrationally, and then of course there's historically. You know, I mean, it's it's that, that's why that's why I mentioned to you that what struck me about being there, I felt as if all the stuff I had read about seemed so surreal. But when I got there and saw the actual lay of the land, I realized myself, boy, you know, and throw in a camel or two, and you get the picture properly, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, it's, it's one of the great things about music in general, and I'd say reggae specifically, is how it can break down barriers between people, you know, mm -hmm. because I believe that we are all, on some level, we're all one people. All humans are, are the same in so many basic ways, but then society or the system, uh, you know, builds up these walls between us and That's separates right. us. But music from the time of King David has uh, has brought people together. You know, the ev everyone can appreciate music. You know, I'd like to think, um, and and I think reggae has done a great job in bringing people together. You know, just you can see the people of all uh, races oh, and ethnicities. You know, that everyone comes to to the shows that we do. They all enjoy it, um, and it helps it helps them feel good in times when they need upliftment. It helps them think about important issues that maybe hadn't occurred to them before. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to hear from you guys about examples of, of your music, maybe specifically uh, breaking down some barriers and, and uplifting people. Um, so Selwyn, why don't you, you take that, man? Okay. Uh, what I say uh, firstly is that the amount of fans that have come to me over the years, even this year, and when fans come to, to from, from all different backgrounds, I mean, I remember one time I was in Virginia. I can't, can't I can't remember. I think it was the Fox Theatre. You know, you know, sometimes you play somewhere where the um, the venue is closer to the hotel. So after the show, we mix and mingle. I was just walking back to the hotel. And I, and I saw a couple standing by a car, and there's two, two white people, and the guy had his, um, his, his red gun green tam. And I could see the lady nudging the guy, nudging him, nudging him, like, to, to talk to him. I cut a long story short, uh, he kept he said, Selwyn, I knew I could talk to you. I said, talk about what? And he said, just to let you know that, you know, your music, uh, reggae music, roots music, country music, has changed my, my life. And, and uh, I see tears in his eyes. And the man said to me, he was raised to hate black people. That's what the man told me. He was raised to hate us. In other words, he was raised as a... But I'm a music, the lyrics, the vibration, not just the applause, but any conscious reggae um, music literally changes, uh, literally changes life. And that's just one story. That um the that heard out of many, you know what I'm And like you say, it literally does break down barriers because because if you go to a reggae show, you see black people, you see white people, you see Asian, young, old, and then over the years now, I'm seeing kids coming to our shows now, and they're telling me that they 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 heard our music playing around the house, you know what I'm saying, and they're coming to uh to our concerts. And obviously, it's a music that you can party to, but uh, the majority of these fans, even though they party, they know every single one of the lyrics and they know what the songs mean. Yeah. You know, so this, uh, 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 
I mean, I mean, I'm always saying to, um, to, you know, to, to musicians, local musicians, we have to realize what we have. We have to realize the power and the beauty of this thing that we have that's called reggae music. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know? And Definitely. like I say, it, it breaks down barriers. And, and, and because I heard that even the United Nations now has recognized it as a, as a cultural phenomenon, as a cultural, as a cultural um, medium for change and, and peace. They've officially yeah. recognized it. Uh, um, it must take a long, long time. But the fact that, that, that it, it's gone to that stage, I mean, it's like us, when um, Clinton invited us to play this in, you know, in the inauguration, he could have chosen the Rolling Stones, he could have chosen the weather. But for, for some reason, he chose the band that's coming out of the UK. Um, most of the songs are political and cultural, but they chose us because they know, you know, just like Bob said, when the music hits, you feel no pain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that was a great, great moment, I think, uh, when, you know, the 1992 uh, inauguration, Clinton, when, mm. when Steel Pauls performed, you know. Uh, mm. I have a feeling there were no reggae bands at the last presidential inauguration. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, Yossi, let's hear from you about some, some examples of you feeling reggae, breaking down some barriers and bringing people together. Wow. Wow. Uh... Or you can punt to cat if you don't have anything. You know. No, exactly. I mean, to, you know, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm. When you two guys, cat and Selwyn, speak, and I'm realizing that I learned so much through the lyrics. Actually, mm. about mm. it's like uh, both of those bands are like modern day griots, you know, because they tell mm -hmm. stories and they tell history. And so for me, a lot of times just traveling throughout the world, Ooh. not necessarily always doing reggae, but something in, you know, even the dreadlocks, you know, or there you go, there you go. when people recognize that you kind of like attract the same vibe. And one of the first questions, like, do you like reggae music? And you go like, <laughs> yeah, sure, you know, I'm, that's what I'm doing. And the next thing, you're hanging out together, you know? Mm -hmm. It's the it just the, the fact that both of you kind of like, like reggae music, a lot of times people will call you to their homes, even if they just met you. Right. You know? yeah. when, when you're traveling as a musician, a lot of time, but mm -hmm. necessarily not always in the reggae circuit, the fact that there is a reggae vibe there, Immediately mm. gets me, you know, to meet and a lot draws of people, people together. Exactly. Yeah. From everywhere around the world, from mm. Poland, from Lithuania, you know, from Africa, of course, you know, mm. Morocco. Um, it's always that. And I think it has to do with the hair, maybe with the features, but th that's the first thing. So, reggae music unites you know, even more than just the music itself, just the idea that you're into right. reggae. So Kat, just like um just like with Steel Pulse, Third World has had a long career of making music that educates people, you know. And I think musically, because of all the the boundaries you broke by doing incorporating uh say R and B music and soul music into what you were doing, you got a lot more people listening to your lyrics, you know. Um, so I'd love to hear from you about how you've seen reggae uh, break down barriers and bring people together. 
Well, um, I've just listened to the two conversations, and um, what's really what's what really came to me is that um, you know I was thinking to myself, "Why 96 Degrees in the Shade?" It's a song that so many people have told me have. Exactly. That's exactly life. what I'm talking about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, a lot of people have said to me that you know. 96 Degrees in the Shade, it's historically taught them about Paul Bogle. And not only that, but the song itself has a vibrational level in terms of, you know, whatever. And I, and I thought to myself, boy, you know, since Selwyn is here, I think I would mention that being in England and doing 96 Degrees in the Shade album, they're amazing street. And um, basically hearing about Steel Pulse and say, hey, you know, these guys from Birmingham, they're, they're brilliant and this and that and that and that. And what I'm getting at really is that when I heard Hansworth Revolution, it changed me because what it did uh-huh. was it, it made me see what black people in England were like uh-huh. and what their, journey, what their journey was about. So when mm-hmm. you're talking about breaking down barriers and changing people, Hansberg Revolution changed me because it made me see what you know British black kids were going through. We're going through. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, not to mention how well the song is done, how brilliant the production is, the playing, the singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to the top drop. So that would have that would have been the point to pull me in. But then when I looked further into it and I realized, you know, that Hans Earth is a is a community of West Indians and you know and Africans and, and people of color and you know how vibrant the community it is. And and going to Birmingham, you know, sometime later on, I think maybe the following year, when we had now that we found love and we you know, we blew up big in England and um, mm-hmm. and we went everywhere, Birmingham everywhere and of course, you know, my Polish brothers, they never leave me out. So all of them were there. All of them, man. Because I'm when you first come there, man. It really came home to me, you know. And I said to myself, why? You know, you, you, you know, you as a part of Third World, you have, you have been, you know, a, a, a catalyst to change people's lives with your lyrics and your music and everything. But I just, you know, it just, it just struck me that, Steel Pulse also changed my life, and I'm quite sure that's the same. That's the same thing with other musicians. You know, I'm pretty yeah. sure there was some guitarist who, when he heard Jimi Hendrix, it changed him. So uh-huh. it's not necessarily that you know. You, I, I, I've never been one to focus too much on on my effect on people. Although I, you know, I accept it, and I, I don't blow my own horn regularly, but I accept it. But I wanted to bring to the panel today just the vibration of what that one song, and then after that, of course, being so close to Pulse because the two bands are very close, you know. I mean, That's I don't right. know how you guys in Israel know that, but we're very tight, and mm-hmm. um, and that that really that came home to me, and also I think that it goes back even to a slightly bigger picture. Whereas for me, I think Bob Marley changed me completely as a human being. So okay. I think reggae music, reggae music is a music of change. I think it's a music of influence. I think it's a music of, of, 
uh, of a high degree of intellectuality in its own way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and especially towards, you know, people of color. And since we're into this thing about Black Lives Matter, reggae has been singing Black Lives Matter for 50 years right now. Yeah. You know, well, and, um, it's it's just coming to the table now. But we've been we've been drumming this drum here a long time, bro. Yeah. Well, Cat, thank you because that was uh, we want to get to some questions, but that was a very important issue that I wanted to bring up, and you just gave the perfect segue, which is that how can you know? I think we everyone is a, is very affected by what's going on right now uh, in the United States and with police brutality and the the murder of George Floyd and many other black innocent black people. Um, and and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and how we're seeing things maybe actually changing based on people rising up. And how can reggae, how can music and in general and reggae specifically be an agent of this change? Like Kat was saying, how you've been saying Black Lives Matter for, for, for since the beginning of reggae, but now what can we do with that as members of the reggae community to help move society forward? Um, Kat, do you want to speak to that since you, uh, you brought it up? Yeah. Um, well, I think that, you know, the, state, the statements that we've made, we've made many statements already. Um, Burning Spear, do you remember the days of slavery? What other, whoa, what other? Burning Spear, I mean, has been a, a big voice. Bob Marley, obviously, mm -hmm. biggest one. Bonnie Whale, a big, you know. And um, the bands... Steel Pulse, Third World, you know, Chalice in its day, um, Aswad, you know, um, we as groups have really proved to people that you can be unified and do something. Just, just doesn't have to just be an artist out there projecting his image, his what he feels. This, uh, this is why I feel so strongly about bands because what we do is we project. Uh, 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 a unified vibration that all of us in the band have come up with, and we express that to the wider community, which I think is great. Now, as mm -hmm. far as changing, as far as being an influence in terms of what's happening with now, I think that we, as I said, we, we've been beating the drum for so long that as long as people listen to the drum, they'll get the message that they need. But this is unprecedented for me. I've never seen it like this where people, because when this whole thing started, you know, I mean, as, as bizarre as it might sound, I just kept saying that we've had peaceful protest after peaceful protest after peaceful protest after peaceful protest, and nothing has happened. It just goes on and on and on. Another guy gets shot, somebody else is choked to death. This thing just keeps going on. And the minute that it got physical, everywhere just started to say, wow, this is serious. And you know, now, now all of a sudden, the black voices are saying, oh, you gotta be peaceful, you gotta be peaceful, you gotta be peaceful. But if there's no justice, there can be no peace. And, right. and, 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 um, and as I say, I'm not a, I'm not a pro-violent person. I never have been, uh -huh. um, you know, um, but it just, it really, it came home to me in a big way when I saw what went down, that over and over again, Martin Luther King got shot for protesting peacefully. You know uh -huh. what I'm saying? And, um, and he's not the only one. Mrs. Indira Gandhi, you know, over and over through the years, people who are projected 
peaceful image and a peaceful way forward are always the ones who, you know, kind of get left behind and thrown under the bus at the end of the day, even though everybody says, yeah, peace, 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 peace. But the one minute that it gets physical uh -huh. and people, you know, start to really express themselves, then you find everybody take, has a tendency to look and say, wow, look at what's happening here. They're burning this down or they're burning that down. Rodney King, if they didn't burn down Los Angeles, Rodney King, thing wouldn't be as big as it was, you know, but you mm. can't use that to promote, attention. you don't attention. want to promote misbehavior, in you don't want to do that, but you have some stark facts in front of you that you have to confront, and you have to come up, you know, with a logical way forward whereby people don't get hurt, and your message gets across, and I think mm. that this is, the, we're at a crossroads here. That, I mean, personally speaking, I'd love to hear what Selwyn has to say or what, you know, what you guys have to say about, you know. About yes, so Selwyn, what's, what's your take on this? Um, um, I, mean, uh, um, I mean, there's a couple of things. It's like, I mean, as far as right now and, and in this moment with, this, with the demonstrations, what well, gives me hope because, because, uh, um, because I've despaired. When I've seen certain things, from a long time, not just now, but when you see uh, that people want change and they don't get it, I mean, even right here in England, even with the, in the coronavirus thing, uh, the, the most people that were passing away, even in the medical industry, were people from the um, from ethnic background, but the government did nothing about it. But I wasn't surprised about, about, about that because I got the. But as far as this whole movement, what, what gives me hope? Is that these uh, um, these um, in the in the nineteen sixties, even when the civil rights movement was going on, all the marches was concentrated in the, in the U.S. Obviously, because it's the U.S. black people that we we were in the press as well. But compared to, to what they were going through in the U.S. with segregation and lynchings and Jim Crow and everything else, we had to count our blessings as far as that. But as for, when you look at the the protesters now, uh, uh, we got white people protesting alongside us, youths as well. So when I'm looking at these um, people, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, wow, some, some of these people, maybe even a lot of them, are, are people that may, maybe even come to our shows and third world shows, you know, and they're in Mali shows and, and other regular icon shows, and they got the same philosophy well, the people are just tired of the lies and stuff from above, you know what I mean? As far as the violence that's going on, I know for a fact that some of these looting and some of these people that start in the violence is not actually the peaceful protesters. Yeah. Uh, it's people with their own agendas coming in because they know that the peaceful protesters that people will get blamed. But the good thing yeah. is the people are still going out, they're still going, you know, even my own daughter to go out there with a placard and so and you're worried for them, but at the same time, you're proud because they're standing up for, for the same thing that we've been talking about in our music for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get up, yeah. stand up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of bandwagonists, you know? There's a lot of bandwagonists. Yeah, right. Actually, they're not necessarily supporters of anything, really, but once they see and 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 an occasion where they can you know leave, loot a store or create some kind of mayhem it it gives them some kind of you know 
gives them some kind of jolt, right. makes them feel good. But that's not that's not necessarily the way to go. But the thing mm -hmm. about it is that through history, through history, and if you look back at all this stuff that has caused, you know, whatever, whatever through the years, it's only when the people get physical that the people look. Look at Rosa Parks. When she went onto that bus, right? Mm -hmm. And she sat down. Mm -hmm. And this, this white person came and wanted the seat. If she hadn't physically set up, not moving, mm -hmm. right? The mm -hmm. statement would never have been made. If she had peacefully got up and said, okay, I'm peaceful, mm -hmm. go and have a seat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like one day she decided, no. <laughs> have the same meaning, you know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, as I say, it's a very delicate balance, Selwyn and, and, and panel. It's a very, very delicate balance because you do not want to destroy people's property and you don't want to hurt anyone. No lives need to be mm -hmm. lost. But when you're making the statements out there, as far as I see it, we have had peaceful protests after peaceful protests after peaceful. Look how many over the last five years, you guys. Yeah. People mm -hmm. have been killed in America. Look at the little kid with the toy gun. Look at that. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. Eh? Yeah, I mean, really. Brianna you know, was in her home. She's yeah, in her exactly. home. Yeah, Yeah. What she going to keep? And, and the cops already had it. Right. And the cops already had the person. And they went there. Bad training and everything else, and a woman end up. I'm like, yo, what's going on? You know, and and then and then when we look back to the seventies, when when we started up, you know, going back to a point before, when we first saw um, Third World, we actually went to see Bob Marley, and Third World was open for them. So mm -hmm. the same way that Third World uh, was influenced by them, we were doing, we were like, who's this guy? Harmonica, cello, percussion, blah blah blah, and then a little late to around, uh, um, you heard the punk rock music. Well, well, uh, well the, the, the whole union between the punk rockers and us, uh, what, what United did us was, was a kind of a looking at the establishment, looking at the way the establishment is dealing with people. And uh, 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 basically, people got, got, tired, got tired because I, I can't even remember doing an interview and a person said, why did you go into this? I said, because we wanted to be a voice for the people that haven't got a voice. You know what I'm saying? And then the whole, uh, and because we got together with the punk rock movements, that was how the Rock Against Racism movement was formed. And now I see the whole cycle happening again, but on a different level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, listen, everyone, um, I mean, this, this is a topic that we could talk about for a very long time, and we will be, even if we're not on this panel, you know, unfortunately. But, um, you know, so the, we're, we're probably going to run a little over. I hope all the people watching and listening can spend a few more minutes with us, because we do want to get to some questions, because there's so many people have been watching and, and enjoying uh, what the panelists are saying, and I want to get to some of these questions uh, now. Um, but before I do that, I just want to say I think it's amazing that, um, you know, Selwyn could be in England, Kat's in UK, I'm in New York, Yossi is, is in Israel. People are watching this all over the world, you know, and learning about these important things. So I think it's really great. Um, so. Um, this, is a, this is a question from one of the viewers that they sent in. Um, what do you think about how reggae music has changed from, from roots to dancehall 
and you know the the dance hall sound, but now that we're seeing a resurgence of roots, you know, and and what Selwyn was talking about, like why he got into making roots music, um, you know, with artists like Protege, uh, who I've worked with, Jesse Chronics Royal, Chronics, and, um, and Damian Marley, who of course mm-hmm. you know uh, produced uh, Third World's latest album, and all of us know. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Selwyn, since you brought up, can you can you speak to this this uh, trend? this mm-hmm. uh, yeah. change in reggae, you know? Okay. Uh, uh, what, what I would say is that, uh, as you said, uh, uh, w- when, when you look back, uh, like 1970s, for instance, now, now to me, the majority of, of music that was coming out of Jamaica, in particularly, was, was conscious reggae music, talking about the culture, uh, you know, uh, and us embracing Rastafari culture as kids, you know what I'm saying? Addressing social issues, political issues that were affecting us all. And Bob, Bob was in the um, third world, uh, Bernie Spear, Abyssinians, and the list just goes on. Even people like Dennis Brown, Gregory Isaac, everybody, I had, even the lovers rock, um, Artists, if the Lovers Rock artists put out that, yeah, yeah, at least two tracks that was doing consciousness. Now you find after about past now, what? Well, before that passed away, and the DJ phenomenon had already started because I used to follow artists, you know, like like you, right? You know, Dennis Al Capone. You know, I write, uh, you know what I mean, and people like this. And then later on, no, the beginning of the age is you know, people like uh, Yellow Man, people like that. And that's to me, when dancehall just, just started, is like when the DJs are talking about certain things, uh, they were still talking about social commentary. And even when they talked about, you know, certain things, they still had a certain humor to, to it so everybody could join in. But what uh, what happened later on is now is, is like uh, it gets more graphic when we start to talk to, to start talking about certain negative things. But what I see now gives me hope because, like you said, uh, in the 1990s, uh, from Bujibantan and Sizzler and um, Garnet Silk, Capleton, an artist like this, and came in and uh, so you had the dancehall rhythm. But they would go, go and talking about social, uh, social consciousness, you know, political consciousness, you know, you know, good living and things like that. So that that started the whole movement that we have now, which gives me hope for the music. You know, people like Chronics, you know, they like the Janine, you know, Protege, Mark and Heritage, and the, and the, and the list goes on. So what I've seen is that, uh, uh, and, I, and, I was, and I was always saying. Dancehall is the next evolution of, of reggae music. And as in all music, you can have certain artists talking positive things and certain artists talking negative things. But uh, 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 the good thing is that the majority of artists are talking about positive issues that affect us all from the environment, you know what I mean, to, 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 and to social consciousness and what's happened. Uh, around us as people, racial harmony and things like this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that gives me hope. That's that great. Hope. 
Um, we have time for one more question from the audience. So Yossi, this is for you. Um, someone wants to know if you can speak on the reggae scene in Israel and um, Israeli reggae artists, anyone? I mean, they actually, the, the question was, does Israel have its own reggae artists? Which we know is yes, you know, many of them, but maybe you could speak on a few that, that speak to you. And also someone is asking um, if there ever could be say a reggae and world music festival in the Galilee area, in the Galil, um, because a lot of people there would really, would really love to hear reggae artists like Third World. And <laughs> well, that, when when uh, uh, Third World came to Akhzib, that's in the Galilee. It's, it's in the, you know, it, the reggae festival. Yeah was originally in the gallery, you know, just on the on the beach of Rakhzi. Um And a lot of times the police gives the, the promoters such hard time in that region, in the northern part of Israel, that they just went with that south of Israel. So that's my question. My answer to that question, you know, <laughs> um, you know, they, they demand too much security money or whatever. Anyway, uh, lots of reggae bands to, and also throughout the years. And um, it started with the Jamaican guy, Tony Ray, who migrated to Israel in the very early 70s. And he started doing reggae stuff, Bob Marley. And that was also my first gig. We used to do steel posts and third world covers. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, it was a Jamaican that started it, you know, and all the musicians throughout the years that went through his band became very well-known musicians. Now we're talking about like for like 20, 30 years of his training musicians and later they were like known musicians in Israel and they happened to be in a lot of reggae bands. So reggae is very alive in Israel. And one of the, it's funny that you asked because the one of the top, Popular bands is Antik Vashesh, which Michael Goldwasser right here produced their first debut album. Yes, sir. And yeah. and he saw something in them that nobody else saw. Uh, just from I don't know, you heard their music or you saw their video, and you said that you know, yeah, I'll produce them. And nowadays uh, they are like the, the one of the biggest bands, and so uh, they have really good lyrics as well that educated a lot of people that like them about different internal uh, social things in Israel. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about, you know, about too much outside things. You know, I think that's what made them uh, very successful because it was local in a way, mm -hmm. the lyrics were local. And I think that what I loved about, you know, it also the uh, still post, it was local to uh, Caribbeans that were in England, but my family was Caribbeans from that lives in France, and it's the same vibe. And yeah. the, you know what third world lyrics was was local to Jamaicans. So we all relate. We all relate to the same things. So you know, when you tell your story, other people can relate with you. You know. Thank you. So listen, I have one more question I want to pose to all three of you. Because um, what brings us together, what brought us to this panel uh, is music, right? So I want to know what you have been listening to lately, if there's a particular album or a song that you've just been enjoying lately or that speaks to you. So Kat, could maybe uh, speak to that, please? 
Well, there's not nothing, no one particular genre or one particular artist I've been listening to, but a couple of really cool things I've heard. They tell me that's not true with Skip and Damien Marley. I think that's really cool. Um, I think that a couple of the things that Damien produced for Third World are really out of the top draw. The whole album is out of the top draw, but I think that there are one and two really good things. And... Um, you know, just quickly, I want to touch on the topic um, about the, the dance hall thing. Okay. I, I really believe that dance hall is a different genre of music to reggae. Reggae music, okay. is music. reggae music has some very specific characteristics about it. The way the drum plays, the way the organ does. <laughs> you understand? Dance all goes it has none of those characteristics. So I don't really see reggae as dancehall. I see dancehall as a different genre of music completely. Mm. And it's it's almost as if the, the dancehall, the, well, the ones who were able to, to start that movement with the took I think they actually took that from mentor. Which is a different yes. music. And, and um, yeah. So as Selwyn said, the melting pot is there. And um, you know, things melt into other things and morph into other things to use a word. So I I just honestly think that um we're very blessed in Jamaica because we have influenced the whole world with a music called reggae, which was we created. And dancehall, even though it's a little more hip-hoppy and a little bit more, you know, some people claim that they are involved in the whole thing and this and that, and some people believe that they are the ones who help Jamaicans to create dancehall, which is absolute nonsense. But anyway, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that um, we have two, two different music styles here. We have dancehall, which has its own characteristics and its charisma. And we have reggae, which definitely has its own characteristics and charisma. What has happened with people like Ojo and people like Garnet Silk and people like, you know, um, Sean and especially Damien is that they're able to cross both musics. They mm -hmm. will sing a reggae tune for his song just like his dad. And, you mm -hmm. know, and, um, and, and then he just going to a DJ thing, which is right. the DJ culture. So there are artists can cross over too. He crosses mm. over too. You know, yeah. protege to some degree. But I think that um, it's two different music styles and it should be looked at that way. And in fact, I really believe that the Grammy Awards should look at dancehall being a category because yeah. if you have a music that's so big all around the world, and you know you have to tuck it in with reggae because it's from Jamaica. I think it's it is to Jamaica. You need yeah. to have dancehall needs to have its own category of, of of that we can say. You know, it's not just world music. It's it's music that influences everything. I mean, I see Corona beer ads that have dancehall in it. I see you know movies that have dancehall in it, that stuff. So it's a form of music. It's a, it's a genre of music. Once again, created out of the little island of Jamaica, which is incredible because look how small we are and how big we are. It's true. You know, and, um, I, I just, I, that, that's, I just wanted to add that because I never had a chance to talk on the topic. And 
it's something that I feel very strongly and very passionately about that mm-hmm. we have reggae music is reggae music. It has a very specific um, characteristic about it. A dance hall is dance hall. It's not the same thing. It's yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. No, that's a great, great point. Interesting. So, um, Selwyn, have you been listening to anything uh, of late that you want to talk about? Funnily enough, you know, I, I found myself over the last couple of weeks because it started when 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 one of my nephews um, uh, he, he, he on, he's on Facebook and, and he, he started this thing where, where he said, I nominate such and such a name to name your 10 favorite albums or right. all 10 of your favorite albums day by day. So I, I started it up, but I didn't finish it because all these things were happening. But that started me. So, 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 so it starts start because all the other, um, because I named two, which, which was Blackout Man, and, and which was the other one? I think it was Talking Book from Stevie Wonder. So, so because I started at Sturs, it, 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 it made me uh, start digging back into the music that what I was really passionate about in the 70s, even before I got into music. So right. I, I, I found myself going online, looking at all James Brown live, in the sisters, looking at Rita Franklin, looking at Ray Charles, looking at um, Danny Hathaway, looking at all reggae as well, even uh, and, and stuff like you know old whalers and old Bernard Spear, you know uh, um, Keith Sutton. So I found myself going back and looking to old, you know, you know slide, uh, slide Stone, the Fresh album and things like that. So I found myself going back and looking at all all that you know, music that made me want to get into music from the 70s and stuff. But, nice. but I had to confine it to the 70s because there's so much music that I love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see. how about you? Have, have anything uh, you've been listening to lately? Well, you know, <laughs> it's funny because since I got to do this, to be the uh, uh, musical director for the jazz festival, and they know it's going to be local. I got more than a hundred new music sent to me by musicians. <laughs> so I find myself all of a sudden, you know, every day I have to put some time to listening to new music. Now, let me tell you something. It's a very humbling experience. And the amount of new talents, that young talents in Israel that, you know, identify right now with all the music's all the music in one, it could come, you know, now I'm more in the jazz thing, but it's all, you hear Caribbean and African and reggae and jazz and Middle Eastern all in one, mm-hmm. you know, and each, and so this, I, I am, I'm very hopeful for the new generation. I mean, you know, the young ones that are the same age when Steel Pulse and Third World did their thing in the early 20s right. mm-hmm. and even late teens. They are really good musicians, uh, and I think um, we look up. I look up a lot. I, I was like, "Well, Jamaica had in the '70s so much um, talent came out of Jamaica and also England, but th- that generation was so very talented." And I think that that energy somehow came to the Middle East and Israel in the last mm-hmm. five years, where there is a lot of different music that. Uh, very interesting, bringing up out of the Middle East, and 
and I look in history, not far, but I go like, wow, each uh, place on the planet got a certain time to shine, you know? That's and right. That's right. Mm -hmm. and, so and, Michael, and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I just wanted to say that, uh, Yassi, um, you're an incredible musician, man, because, because, because I can be honest, I, I was saying to my that the first time I heard of Yassi is when Michael said, I'm going to check your music. I was like, whoa, this, what is, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, big respect for that, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm telling you, <laughs> the kid that saw Prisoner, of this, Prisoner in the Streets, and yeah, you, know, yeah. so to, you know that the reason that I have locks is because of the album cover of Steel Pulse. Really? Yeah, Town System, I think it was. And it's the second album. Tribute to the Martyrs. It looked like, like this new ancient tribe, you know, and they all had mm. beautiful locks. And mm. I was like, this, I want to be like that, you know? <laughs> Respect, man. Respect. Oh, yeah. So, Michael, what, what's your, what are you listening to right now? We oh, wow. Well, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people on the panel, everyone on the panel can relate. When you're working on something, that's what you wind up listening to because you have no choice. So I just, um, I've been producing for Jason Mraz, which is really great to work with a, a Grammy-winning pop artist, but I'm bringing such strong reggae vibes to him, you know, so, um, and the album comes out on Friday. And it's called Look for the Good. And I've been listening to it a lot because I also just did a dub version, a full dub version of the entire album. Um, yeah. All analog, you know, in the studio, all live. Um, so that was great. So basically, I go to sleep thinking about Jason Raz music and I wake up thinking about Jason Raz music. And in, while I'm dream, I'm probably dreaming about it too. Um, it's but, a great album, man. Oh, give thanks, man. Um, yeah. But the, the music that, that I, I mean, I love all kinds of music as, uh, you know, Thelonious Monk, one of my favorite uh, artists, uh, musicians, he was asked um, by a journalist, what kind of music do you like? And Monk said, I like all music. And then the journalist said, even country music? And, Th and Monk said, what part of my answer didn't you understand? Which I thought was brilliant, you know? So, so I, love, I love music, but... Um, most recently, my favorite thing to listen to is Kamasi Washington's last album, which was from, I think, 2008. Yes, yes. Uh, called Heaven and Earth. Good. And I recommend everyone who is listening to this panel, get this album. It's, it's a double album that you have to listen to the whole thing. You have to commit to it. But it's an amazing spiritual experience, you know, which is it made me remember why I love music so much, because I, I have Ooh. to. When you do music for work, sometimes you get caught up in the work aspect of it. But when you listen to something that helps you transcend, you know. I so, love it. So thank you for asking me, Ari. That was really yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you the one thing that kind of brought back a memory for me was Yossi mentioned um, Tony Ray. And for yeah. my 21st birthday, I was actually living in Israel for a year. I had my 21st birthday at Tony Ray's little reggae club in Israel, and he said, "What one song do you want me to play?" And I think there was another band. And I said, third world's 96 degrees in the shade. So <laughs> kind of coming together. And I remember that moment. And I was like, you know, that was, that was amazing. So it was Israel, Tony Ray, and it was third world. So um, it was amazing. Yeah. Anyhow, for, for anybody that, that is listening to this, I'll tell you albums that you have to listen is Mass Manipulation by Steel Pulse, More Work to Be Done by Third World, uh, Blue mm -hmm. Desert Go by Yossi Fine, an eccentric sound system. Um, so you got to go check those out. Buju Bantan, one of my personal favorites, also has an album coming out. 
So there's lots of music to check out. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you on the panel. This was absolutely amazing. This thank is you honestly one of the thank best panels we've had yet. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Take care. You're welcome. Right, You're welcome. Thank you very much. Everybody, take care and stay safe. Yes. yes. Stay healthy. Yes.